0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are continuing our four-part mini-series, going through all the fantasy-relevant positions before we truly get in the best ball season. As always, I am joined by none other than PFF's finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, this is going to be our third straight pie. We did quarterbacks on Tuesday, running backs on Wednesday. By golly, it's Thursday. Let's talk some wide receivers. Why the hell not?
1: Yeah, wide receiver, by far, like, it's it's the toughest one. Just by the nature, of we have more, right? You've got yeah. more that are going to be relevant on every team, more starting. So, this will be a, a bit of a, you know, I've had my ranks done, but man, what I love about working through tiers, man, it really makes you like reevaluate where you have players, and like I think it's it's a really good way to spot like inefficiencies in ADP, like whenever you work through your tiers. So we'll talk about that some, but. I'm going to be a bit of an open book today. Like once we get past the first three or four tiers, honestly, I'm still like tinkering with them. So like, I mean, it will be good to get your feedback. And honestly, just let folks hear like some of the process like we go through when we're doing this. Because there's different ways you can do tiers. There's no just one set way. I think you have to think about it. Like I have my way. But you probably have your own ideas, so yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, this will be a little bit different than what we did, you know. At least once we get past the first few tiers, anyway, than what we've done on the pre on the two previous.
0: As we've been doing last few episodes, uh, YouTube fam, love you all. We are screen sharing. You can also check out the video on Spotify. So we'll have the ranks, Dwayne's handy dandy spreadsheet, you know, with some good target share PFF grades and stuff like that as well. Basically, Dwayne's ranks, my ranks, and then I have highlighted a couple cells that just kind of denote players that are, we're really uh, further apart on easily. What, just f- what are
1: we calling this stuff to the side now? What is it? I saw, I saw the tweet. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I already <laughs> forget
0: what it was. Yeah, thank you. I got to give him a shout out. Someone um told us our Titanic blue thing that that you know, old freaking bag like just chucked oh, off yeah, the side is. of the... Heart of the ocean. Heart of the ocean. There you go. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> roll off no the There's no red. Tower. There's
1: only blue, but okay. I'll take it. it. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> it does not roll off the tongue, that's for sure. So we still need to uh figure out. Jack, I guess, Jack uh, Moore Queen. Do I don't know that. if
1: that's his actual name, but Jack, we appreciate you man.
0: Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, Jack. That's awesome. It's up there with the one time uh someone added us and sent us a picture of like I think it was a Photoshop of like a dark girl scout like just approaching the door. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that one
1: should maybe be on the cover of the pod a few times.
0: <laughs> We're gonna rebrand and just have some Girl Scouts on the on the title. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, that
1: might raise a few eyebrows. What are these guys <laughs> podcasting about?
0: my goodness all right let's uh get back to wide receiver ranks and yeah, exactly. tiers there we go what a what a transition there all right Dwayne first five we are in lockstep wide receiver one Cooper Cup wide receiver two Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill you do have a tier gap though one a tier we got Cup Jefferson Chase and then things drop down to Adams and Hill look there would be no tier drop off if obviously they weren't changing teams exactly. with Adams and with Hill though we're st- we're looking at in my from my my money's worth the, oh, fuck, Cooper Cup is so good. They're they're both top five at a minimum real-life wide receivers in addition to fantasy. All the money going their way. Uh, you know, I understand if you w- would want to prioritize Jefferson and Chase ahead of them in dynasty land. Adams will be 30 by the time week one comes along. Same is, tr- or Hill's going to be 29. So they are getting up there a little bit, but at least for 2022, man, I don't think there's uh, too much of a reason to worry too much about either one of these guys. We're going to want them on the fantasy squad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I don't know if I froze up or if you did, but anyway. Yeah, so we're on the same page. They they were both in the top you know, 1A tier until, you know, the changes from the teams. There's just enough just to push them down. And so their ADP has definitely slipped some. And if you folks want to see this, so today we are using FFPC's data. And so I'm getting this all from Fantasy Mojo. So if you guys want to check him out, uh, www.fantasymojo.com. He's got all sorts of cool graphs. so You can see, like, who's moving up, who's moving down. And this is really just based on the last seven days, which is, like, right around 20 drafts. So it's not a ton, but we wanted to use this because it's got – whenever we're using the under whenever we're using underdog right now so much old ADP data is baked in like you don't get a real feel for how these players are moving so we are seeing Adams and Hill start to take a dip in the ADP. I think it may be a slight overreaction, though. So Devontae Adams was a first-round pick pretty much every time. Now he's dropped into the mid-second sometimes. Like If I get Devontae Adams in the mid-second, I'll feel pretty good about that Ian. Like yeah. I'll even take him early in the second. Um, I'm not going to like force like overexposure on him at that spot. And then Tyreek Hill, I've seen, actually slip towards the end of the second in some of these recent drafts, which I think would be Wow, I would love to take Tyreek Hill at pick 210. So still feel really good about both players, but obviously going to new teams. Uh, with Devontae Adams, you had the simpatico relationship between him and Aaron Rodgers. I think one thing that I get concerned about is we have seen with Derek Carr, he's much more of a he's going to drop back, he's going through his reads, he's not going to force it to any one guy. We have seen Aaron Rodgers over the year over the years basically say, look, no matter what, Devontae, like it's coming to you. And I think those days could really be over. So it's just a matter of how many targets is Devontae Adams going to lose between that plus the fact that he's playing with two weapons that are better than anything else that the Packers had last year in Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. So again, we mentioned on the podcast on Monday, that's a plus for Derek Carr, but it's a bit of a minus for Adams. But again, guys, like it's Devontae Adams. Going to be 30 years old this season. Uh, 21.5 PPR game points per game last year. So... What if he's around 18? Like, we're still going to take it. Yeah.
0: Tyreek Hill is the latest player to earn a little bit of, you know, Debo Samuel chatter because, you know, before last year, no wide receiver in the history of football ever had a rush attempt, apparently. But Tyreek actually has been doing this ever since he entered the league. They used him as a true RB really more than ever as a rookie. And I got some highlights rolling. I mean, the dude, obviously, is electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's not freaking 220 and built like steel like Debo. He's not going to be going in between the tackles the same way. But you know what, Dwayne, in the year 2022, I'm not sure that grinding guys and your best players in between the tackles is the best idea to begin with. So I am looking forward to how uh, Tyreek will be used in this offense. But speaking of Debo, this is our first real point of contention here. You have Debo sitting as wide receiver six. I'm being a little bit of a dick, apparently. Have him all the way down at wide receiver 11. We've discussed a little bit of, uh, you know, the rationale behind this, where, look, we have Kittle, we have Ayuk, I think Debo is going to lead the way in targets, but it's not exactly 100% given. If you look at after I got out of the doghouse last year, Tyreek, man, he, I mean, not Tyreek, Debo, Jesus, was actually only averaging about five targets per game. He was living more on extreme rushing efficiency, something that he didn't even really wasn't used as until it, uh, they were almost forced, their hand was almost forced when Elijah Mitchell was banged up at the rib. Hasty was out at the ankle. Trey Sermon was not being given a chance. Jeff Wilson was just coming off. IR so a lot of things went right last year for Debo Samuel another one of which was Jimmy G holding off Trey Lance for all but two games Dwayne it seems like Debo wide receiver six to me is being priced a little bit more like what happened last year as opposed to what could happen in a pretty freaking new offense ahead of 2022
1: yeah for me with Debo honestly it just really is I, I totally agree with everything you just said like, there's, there's competition for targets. You've got to change a quarterback. There's a lot of mouths to feed and a run-heavy offense. I think a lot of things could could go wrong with Debo. The, the thing where I start to struggle, I would be fine. If anyone wants to take Stephon Diggs over Debo, I'm good. You want to take A.J. Brown over Debo, I'm good. I think when you get to C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, you start getting to those names— I think that's where it becomes – I think the conversation gets tighter. Yes, C.D. Lamb's going to have less competition for targets, but Debo's already done something we haven't seen Debo. We haven't seen (laughs) – Debo's doing something we haven't seen (laughs) Debo. Yeah, exactly. He's doing something we haven't seen C.D. do. So with Samuel, I mean, if you look at him, targets per route run over the last two seasons, 25%, 24%. C.D. did get to 22% last year after being 21% the year before. If you're looking on this sheet that you have, it'll say 21% because I included the uh, playoffs in. And you'll see Debo was 23% including playoffs. Um, but 84.7 and 81.1 receiver grades for Debo Samuel. So it's like I'm I'm making a bet on the player. But again, I would not blame anyone. Like if you want to take Diggs ahead of Debo, like there's plenty of reasons. We know we know Stefan Diggs is a good player and he's in a pass-heavy offense. And right now, like I think he's absolutely the 1A. And I don't even think there's a 1B on his team. Like I think, yeah. you know, it's truly you're taking a step down to like a 2B, 2C type scenario. So I wouldn't blame anyone for that. I think they're all really close. I want exposure to all of those players. I don't see myself being overweight on any one of them.
0: Diggs, AJ Brown, and CeeDee Lamb uh, are the rest of your 1B tier. We are pretty much in the same boat with uh, these three guys, just a one-spot ranking difference. I'm one higher because of the aforementioned Debo uh, discrepancies. So yeah, man, you know, CeeDee Lamb, he does seem like just the easy pick for the breakout year three wide receiver. I know available targets aren't Everything, But my God, like, you take away the Cowboys, unless they are going to get, you know, a certain Arkansas receiver, maybe someone else early, you really do wonder who the hell could even be the number three receiver in this offense. I mean, James Washington... Probably, but hell, man, maybe we do see Tony Pollard actually start to get something close to a full-time role. I'm just hoping that we do see CeeDee get that slot role because, my God, Dwayne, if we have to watch another high-leverage game where Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson, who I know isn't on the team anymore, but anyway, someone other than CeeDee Lamb should not be commanding the targets ahead of him uh, in these sort of important games. Yeah, so He's
1: going wide receiver five already. Um, Jesus. So, I mean, people are not messing around with CD. Now, Ooh. he's not going in the first round. Um, he's going 2.6. So, it's still, if you look at the range on him over these last 17 drafts, 2.2 2 to 2.10. And so, that again, that's over the last week. Um, so, with Lamb, I feel fine about taking him in that range. So, it's kind of interesting. I think you and I, when we first talked about after finishing last year, we thought – We might see more receivers push into the first few rounds. I think a couple of events here, the Tyreek Hill event, the Devontae Adams event has knocked those two guys down. Stephon Diggs, underperforming versus the year before, knocked him out of the first round. So right now, we don't have that many receivers really going in the first round. You just got Cooper Cup, you got Jamar Chase, you got Justin Jefferson. Um, So CeeDee Lamb, if you talk about him in that range of those players, Adams, Samuel, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, I'm fine mixing him with all of those guys in the second round I'll have plenty of, expo- of exposure to all of those across multiple drafts. But if I had to pick one guy, like that's where it does get tricky. I haven't I haven't truly settled in, but I think if I had to pick one guy between Lamb, Samuel, Diggs, um, because we've got we've got Tyreek and Adams. I think we agree they're one tier above. Yeah. Uh, but then you throw AJ Brown in that mix, and if you wanted to put Waddle and Higgins in the mix, you could. I've got them a tier below. I do think in that case, if I had to pick, like I, I feel like I would lean. I feel like I would lean to Lamb. I'm gonna count on him to take hmm. that next step to have a similar targets per route run to Debo, and potentially have ceiling for more because an offense that throws the ball more and he has less competition and you could argue that he has a better quarterback. So I think there are a lot of things that you could lean into and an argument for lamb over Samuel and some of these other guys. What do you think?
0: I would lean Diggs because I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback of the group here. The Bills are throwing the ball as much as anyone else in the league. And Diggs, I mean, we have back-to-back seasons
1: with over 160 targets. Um, I'm almost wondering if Diggs should just be in that other tier above that we already talked about. with I think Buc- they have. he and Tyree entire kill. I mean, honestly, I kind of already just, I think I just put him there in my mind. And I was really just thinking versus D- Debo and A.J. Brown. Um, I might
0: but, have actually, oh my gosh, I hate when I do this sometimes. I might have updated <laughs> my ranks uh, not in the Excel because I think I had that same uh, kind of uh, uh, thought because like, yeah, why Why are we even taking a chance on Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams over Diggs? Diggs isn't in a new offense. We, he's already overcome that. We know what he is. We know Josh Allen is better than Tua and Derek Carr. Like, okay, I'm fine admitting that Tyreek and Adams are probably slightly better than Diggs in real life, but it's not huge. Man, yeah, I went ahead and moved uh, Stephon Diggs up to wide receiver four. Good job updating that, Ian. But, yeah, man. No, I, I think See, Diggs. Are, but
1: hey, that's that's cool. Like, you didn't even have it on there. and We just talked through it. So, I mean, wow. really, I mean, if you look at Diggs, um, you, the, the biggest difference for him last year um, was the fact that they were rotating receivers a little bit more. So, if you look at him in 2020, he was out there for 94% of their passing plays. Last year, for whatever reason, it was 88%. Now, he was still out there um, for over 900 plays, um, out there for over 640 routes, which is still a lot. Like, he's still way up there because the Buffalo runs so many plays. But that, honestly, was the big difference for him. Um, If he had been out there, you know, another 5 to 10%, Like, I think we would have seen his target share a little closer to what we saw the year before. We saw a twenty-seven percent target share in twenty twenty. We saw a twenty-four percent target share in twenty twenty one. But on the possibly the most pass heavy team in the league with a top five quarterback, you know, it could easily like would we be surprised if next year Stephon Diggs had a twenty-nine percent target share, twenty-eight percent target share. Like, it's totally that's not out of bounds for him with the style of player he is. He can really beat any kind of coverage. He's one of the few guys that you know, if you look further to the right, you can kind of show folks the targets per route run versus man and zone. I threw that on here. Um, we know folks kind of like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably have to freeze the panes to the left. But you can see the TP the TPRR uh, man and zone. And then you can see the yards per route run also for man and for zone. So um, he's one of the guys that can really do it all. Like he can turn pretty much any cornerback in the league around. So I agree with you. I think I'm actually going to make that switch um, not to have like complete mind meld here but I think <laughs> it makes sense you know with all the things that we're talking through like he's yep. already done something we've still never seen cd lamb do um and he's and he's gonna be he'll be 28 this season uh so he'll be well he'll nearly be 29 this season but still he's still a young receiver
0: now that I have located my correct and most updated rankings, I actually do have Debo one spot ahead of CD. So I think I was feeling a little bit rambunctious originally. uh. But yeah, and the rushing stuff does help. I mean, hell, he's going to, if he is, even if he is down, you know, 40, 30 targets. I mean, hell, if we could actually see a wide receiver pushing for 100 rush attempts in a single season, like that's just the type of stuff that fantasy football dreams are made out of. And I think and what people look
1: at with Lamb is the hope for can he be the next Justin Jefferson? Like, and I get it because the door is wide open right now for that, you know, to happen. Um, but again, like Stefan Diggs, if you look at him the year before last, he was basically—he's already basically been Justin Jefferson <laughs> from last year. You know, he's already did it. He just did it in twenty twenty. So, I mean, he was wide receiver three that year, scored 20.5 points, fantasy points per game. And like looking at Diggs, like, here are his last four years 17.6, 14.6, 20.5, and 16.8 fantasy points per game, um, finishing third and seventh over the last two seasons.
0: Things get a little more interesting once we get to your 2A tier. T. Higgins, uh, your wide receiver 10, my wide receiver 13. What was wild, man, was last year T. Higgins actually averaged more expected fantasy points per game than Jamar Chase. Now Chase happened to be one of the biggest anomalies in the league in fantasy points above expectation because the guy's a freaking alien. I'm sure you all have watched Jamar Chase play football enough to realize that by now. Higgins, you know, just as worthy though. And I think, Dwight, if there is one team in the league that we should expect to have... Two top 12 fantasy wide receivers, it's the Bengals. Need them to throw more. But Higgins, Chase, you know, they're both healthy. I know some of these other groups, you know, you could talk about Goblin and Evans, uh, you know, obviously Metcalf and Lockett losing their quarterbacks. Like the familiar, familiar faces in this conversation just might have an extra problem or two going on. Not so much with Higgins and Chase. Just seems like one of these things where, man, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't have that top five ceiling with Chase there, uh, you're gonna be awfully happy with T Higgins on the fantasy squad.
1: Yeah, and he just he just checks so many different boxes that we care about the the rookie PFF receiving grade, the yards per route run That's have true. been there, the targets per route run have been there. Um, the only thing really capping T Higgins is he just plays his number two, he, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he's, and he plays with two other really good players. You know, um, as far as in the receiving game, Jamar Chase can be a complete alpha, and then Tyler Boyd is also going to get his. So. Um, Really, like when you look at Higgins though, and you look at Chase and even Boyd to a lesser extent, like, um, there's a lot of upside with where the Bengals passing game could go. Like, would we be surprised if Joe Burrow led the league in passing yards this next year? Like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, given the weapons and what we've seen with Burrow, we talked about him on Monday, the steps that he's taken forward. Um, I think you don't have to necessarily think that. You know, oh God. Well, Higgins isn't gonna have a 28% target share, so I don't care. Like honestly, like he's just below C.D. Lamb in my ranks. I've got Lamb and then Higgins, but whenever you really profile them next to one another, like they've basically been the same. And you could even argue T's been a little better than C.D. Lamb. Um, the only difference is knowing that Lamb is losing a main cog in his offense opens up a little bit more of an opportunity for him to take that step forward. So I'm in agreement that you have that we should have Lamb over. Higgins but like there's a scenario where Higgins outplays Lamb. Like if all of a sudden the Bengals offense just completely takes off, CD Lamb doesn't take a big step forward and stays about where he's been from a targets per route run basis, which is in his range of outcomes. I feel bad. I feel like each each pod I've been kind of talking about like I was I've been pumping CD up and then all of a sudden it's like, well, there's this there's this other side of where CD Lamb could finish. Um so I hope folks aren't taking this as negative like I still absolutely love CD Lamb. I'm just saying that like there, there's a way. There's a universe where T Higgins could outscore C D Lamb. And so, like when you look at my tiers, like I have those two guys in two A. I mean, really, those are your young players. You've got T Higgins at 24, Jalen Waddle at 24. Both did great things as rookies. T Higgins followed it up also in his second year. So I'm fine. You notice there's still a two though, and you got the two Bs below it. So if you feel more comfortable with, oh, I'd rather go with Hopkins, Allen, Evans. I think those are fine. Those are older options um, that can still be good, but. Higgins, Waddle may have competition for targets, but I also know that, wow, typically when these guys flash this big that early in their career, it's something that they, you know, they don't always sustain it. Obviously, you know, we have these players have these ups and downs, but it's something that, you know, I get super excited about and we see really big things come in the future for those types of players. Never this, had- regardless of target competition on yeah. their teams.
0: Never hate the player, just the ADP. And look, wide receiver five for CeeDee Lamb is objectively pretty freaking wild. So, uh, yeah, I do think we'll be a little bit underway compared to the rest of the industry. But hopefully that does help us land uh, someone like T Higgins a little bit more. Waddle, he is officially our biggest kind of discrepancy inside of the top 15, 16 wide receivers. You have him wide receiver 11. I have him wide receiver 18. I'm not, you know, this Tua, the Tua conversations is maddening to me because people are, I guess, pretending like he hasn't been an a below average quarterback. Is that fair to say? Like, I'm not saying he couldn't be better, I'm gonna, but... I'm Who's going to be victory? Like, what are people going to be victory lapping? He hasn't been good. I hope he gets better. We'll give him more credit when he is better. Like, that's how this works. I don't think, uh, you know, anyone's exactly been watching Tua and admitting that he's just this already polished and super high-end quarterback. We can talk about the offensive line, the RPO heavy offense, whose exact problem, you know, that is. Uh, We'll find out exactly what he can do. But Dwayne, wide receiver 11 for Waddle. So we're basically just saying that bringing Tyreek in the offense isn't going to a lick of difference. I think Waddle's going to hurt on the targets, and I'm not completely convinced the efficiency is going to boom.
1: Yeah, so here's my thought, and I, I think you're bringing up really valid points because that's what I was thinking through as I was making this. And here's my problem: when I get to these younger players that have that have broken out at such an early age, and they've got this huge draft capital behind them. Um, like I'm much more likely just to go ahead and lean into them, regardless of how the situation changed. Like Jalen Waddle is good enough to earn targets. He had 24% of the targets last year, 24% targets per route run, cleared the 75 uh, rookie PFF receiving grade that we want to see. Um, you know, we can make some arguments around the A dot. You know, worked underneath mostly, so you know there was an opportunity for him to work from the slot. You know, see some easier coverage, different things like that. But even if you have to work if if he has to work outside more, I do think having Tyreek Hill on the other side of the of the field is likely, you know, to help him. I the, the biggest question is the 2 a thing. But here's here's where I'm going in my head. Look, Mike Basicki's not that good. I mean, it's just the facts. Like he's never really demanded that many targets. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to become a focal point of the offense. Um, with these two really great receivers, I don't think Chase Edmonds is going to be a huge factor in the passing game. I think he's a nice player out of the backfield, and I do think he'll he'll definitely get you know some targets. But Cedric Wilson is really just an ancillary piece. So what I think is going to happen with this Dolphins offense is you're really going to see probably 40 to 55 percent of the targets channel just through these two guys, through Tyreek Hill, through Jalen Waddle. And yes, we are going to have the issue with Tua. But what I love about it is we are, we're getting an offensive coordinator that, has, that understands how to get the most out of basically a bus driving. And look, Tua could end up being better than we think. He's still young. But look, Jimmy G has never been great. But Jimmy G has been good enough to facilitate you know, the 49ers receiving game. The big problem is there's always really been three. Well, the big problem last year, you had three really good targets. I don't think you have the same problem in Miami. You don't have another really good target like Kittle. I think Gasicki is multiple, multiple notches down below Kittle. So I think we get, we're get we going to get some consistency out of Hill and Waddle's target shares based on the fact that I really think their hands, you know, hands down, they're above the rest of the guys on the team. So I'm really leaning into the profile of the young player that's already broken out, has the draft capital. Um, and again, like, He could end up slightly outside my top 12. You know, if you think about it, look, I've told you who I think the tier one receivers are, and I don't even have 12. Uh, So, I mean, that's why I do tiers. I'm really calling these guys top end wide receiver twos, T. Higgins and Jalen Waddell, two A's. And then I got my two B's, which are Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. They're all tier two receivers. They can be your wide receiver two, depending on what you think you want. Um, so in the end, like I did kind of make an adjustment. So it's, I don't have T Higgins and Jalen Waddle in my top 12, you know, well, they're in my top 12, but like, I'm not grading them as wide receiver ones. If
0: Something, that make sense? No, I hear you. Something weird's going on in Miami. Like, all right, look at their wide receiver. We, we agree. Waddle and Tyreek are not leaving the field. Shouldn't, you know, for any substantial period of time. Then we have Devontae Parker. Seems like he'll get traded. Let's go ahead and throw him out. Let's say he does get traded. He gets cut. But he is still on the team right now. Then we have Mike Tosicki, who... Is franchise tag, but he doesn't play tight end. I've been, I beat this dead horse a million times. You all realize that by now. He is a big slot receiver. And then we have Cedric Wilson. He just got $22 million. So they basically have four wide receivers now that primarily played in the slot last year. I don't know who's going to be the odd man out. Probably Cedric Wilson and probably Mike Desicki, man. I think that's the big thing in Miami. Fade Mike Tusicki. He's just going to be going as a borderline tight end one. In an offense, that's your point, Dwayne, should be exclusively flowing through wide. Waddle, and Tyreek. Look, I have Waddle, wide receiver 18. I'm not against having him on the squad, but I want guys like Hopkins, Keenan, Mike Evans, better quarterbacks, and the number one option in their offense. I'm going to take them ahead of them, Dwayne. I'm not terrified of 30-year-old wide receivers just for one year in redraft you know if we saw like a noticeable decline from these guys that was you know not impacted by injury at all uh, last season that'd be one thing but I still think when healthy man Nuke Allen and Evans are still playing at a very high level you know you have them 12 through 14 so you're not down on them but I'm fine prioritizing these guys man
1: yeah I want to. I'm going to want exposure some to all of them, but I'll definitely be. I'll be more overweight on overweight with Waddle than Mike Evans for sure. Um, I treat DeAndre Hopkins a little bit different just because we don't know what we're going to get out of Rondell Moore. We'll talk about Zach Ertz tomorrow, but he's really he's he's a fine tight end. He's a placeholder tight end, and he's 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 got good rapport with, um, you know, Kyler Murray. But I think Hopkins is the main one where you can make this argument. Like, if you and I are drafting a lot together, and we're going to, because we obviously, we're going to be doing this, and we're going to be getting to this spot in our draft Yeah, gear. buddy. Um, so, I'll be fine. Like, if we're going to take DeAndre Hopkins at times over T. Higgins and Waddle. Um, but as far as Waddle goes, and, and I think Keenan Allen's next, but as far as Mike Evans goes, I think you can make the same argument. Yes, you do have the elite quarterback, um, but we have most likely Gronk's going to be back. You're gonna get Chris Godwin back, and they added Russell Gage. And really, Mike Evans, his target shares have been on a decline for the last three seasons. So, yes. with Evans, I think there's a legit argument to leaning into the younger player in Waddle uh, and embracing it, and definitely T Higgins embrace. And T Higgins, I mean, I would take over Mike Evans pretty much every time. Like I want to mix them up some, but I I, I want the I want to buy into that player that. By next year, all of a sudden, we could be like, wow, they have to be a wide receiver one player. I still think T. Higgins and Jalen Waddell could be those players, um, where I think Hopkins potentially could. Um, I don't think Mike Evans is the type of player we're going to look up by week six and go, wow, next year he's going to be a first-round pick in fantasy. I do think that that's in the potential range of outcomes for T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle. And this is not a hate on Mike Evans thing. If you guys have read my work... Um, where I've really dug into where our charters are now charting every single route all the time and looking at, you know, his ability to meet beat man coverage and create separation. Like he's a way better receiver than people even think they just spread the ball around a lot um, for the bucks. And I think that they're going to continue to do that. And so for those reasons, I would still be willing, I, I would probably mostly want Higgins and Waddle over Evans, but I would be willing to mix them in with Hopkins and Allen, really, especially Hopkins. Cause I, I, I do think there's still a chance with Hopkins that you could pop a 30% target share here. I think he's that good. With Keenan Allen, I think they're enough. He's a really good player, but I think he's pretty much a 24%, 25% guy at this point. He does have a great quarterback. So, I mean, it's not like target shares are everything. we got to grade the quality of the offenses and the volume of the offenses. But I, I think Keenan Allen and Jalen Waddle, I think they're pretty close for me. I think they play yep. similar, similar roles, and I think Jalen Waddle's is the younger player.
0: I think I had Keenan like wide receiver six last year. And hey,
1: you know, if we would have gotten those second half splits
0: when Mike Williams was really relegated to more of a field stretcher, uh, maybe could have worked out that way. Those are a big 14 receivers. And again, Waddle's the only one that we're even more than a couple spots off from. I I, I think that's like a pretty good line. It does go through your 1A to 2B tier. Like I think, those top 14, top 13, even if we want to take Waddle out of it, I think you would be hard-pressed to find guys that have those good quarterbacks, have the volume, and have proven production. It can get really interesting after this, and I think that's demonstrated. You guys by get me. ready.
1: Starting next week, it will be every week, Dwayne trying to convince Ian to take Jalen Waddle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, here's the good news. His ADP yeah. is falling. Like, if you look over, uh, if you look over at um, Fantasy Mojo's stuff, like, there are times now where he's actually slipping – I'm just pulling it up real quick. Right now, he is slipping occasionally uh, into the fourth round. So, that's the other thing with these players. Like, we're putting them where we have them ranked. But whenever you look at, like, their the range of where they go from an ADP standpoint, you can basically, on some of these like this with Waddle where, you know, you may be a little torn, just draw a line through the middle of it and say, every draft where he goes above this, I'm just not going to worry about it. But yeah. in the drafts where he falls past this spot and he's still on the board when he gets to me, that's how I'm going to get my exposure. So when I look at a player like Waddle, like over the since March 20th, he's gone in the fourth round one, two, three, four, five times. If I had been in those five drafts, I probably would have drafted him all five times. But in the ones where he's still going in the third round, um, probably not as likely to be taking Jalen Waddle. So I think there's... You don't have to force these things. Now I know some of you are saying, Well, you guys are degenerates. You're gonna draft like fifty teams and I'm gonna draft five. True, but you're gonna have better information whenever it gets closer to being time, you know, for like a lot of the drafts that'll happen in August and September, and we'll probably have a little harder stance on some of these guys then.
0: The 2C tier goes from wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 23. This is where we're really different. I have Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 14, Michael Pittman, wide receiver 15. You're rolling with DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, bunch of guys before we are getting to them who you have in the low 20s. Now, same tier. So, like, we're not completely out of line here. But I guess my question here is, When I look at Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman, out of every single wide receiver in this tier, they are the most established locked-in wide receiver ones on their own team. I don't know if I'm just going to bet on the talent of the other guys. Like, look, I think Metcalf, I think DJ Moore, I think they're better at football than Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman. But McLaurin and Pittman, in my opinion, much higher target ceilings. You could argue, particularly for Pittman, he has the better quarterback than a lot of these guys are dealing with. And there's uncertainty, man. Like, Metcalf could finish number two in targets behind Tyler Lockett. Deontay Johnson could finish behind Chase Claypool. I don't think we need to worry about the Ravi Anderson thing with DJ Moore anymore, but he's still there. Elijah Moore, like the Jets were just flirting. With Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, who knows if they're going to add someone high? Chris Goffman has the injury, so he's a little bit different. Why not get Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman up there, Dwayne? And I'm not saying, you no, know, I might drop them down a little bit. We talked about this with Saquon Barkley, We're like I don't want to be so high on Terry McLaurin that people are taking him around before they even need to um, in drafts, you know, based on the ADP. So from that perspective, I'm fine going down a little bit, but I just see. Proven, talented wide receivers that aren't getting quarterback upgrades that are still an undisputed number one in their offense.
1: Yeah, so my thought on this tier is, um, I again, I definitely want to mix them up. That's my point in the tiers. I I don't feel hyper-strong about any of them over the other. Good. Um, and so, and so part of where I was at with Pittman is I've already got him at 22 and his ADP is 28. Like, I don't really need to be that much higher to tell people I like him. But if you look at the tier— Every receiver in it is between 22. Well, you've got a couple of 27-year-old guys and Godwin and McLaurin, but they're still, they're, they're still in the prime of their career. But These guys are all young or they're in their prime. The big question that you have with almost all of these is you've got some sort of question in the offense. So for the Colts, how run-heavy are they going to be? We've already talked about the upgrade of Matt Ryan. We like it. The Seahawks, are they going to have enough volume? And who's the quarterback going to be? Um, Deontay Johnson, you got a quarterback issue. DJ Moore, you got a quarterback issue. Elijah Moore, we could have a quarterback issue. I don't read too much into the Tyreek Hill thing. Tyreek Hill becomes available. He's better than most receivers in the league. So I think most people are going to be interested in adding Tyreek Hill. I've still seen enough from Elijah Moore that I want to bet, you know, on the player. Same thing for Amon Ross St. Brown, plays for the Lions. Doesn't have a lot of draft capital behind him, but, you know, really flashed in a huge way. Got over the 75 PFF receiving grade that we want to see that basically has almost been bulletproof. Um, And then Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, you know, who we just just hit on. But with Godwin, we're coming back from an injury. If he wasn't, Godwin would be higher. And then Terry McLaurin, I'm just not that high on Carson Wentz. Like, I just, you know, the more I've looked at Carson Wentz and looked at his ability at all levels of the field, I don't know how much better. He's going to definitely be better than Taylor Heineke. Like, I, 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 I give him that, but I just don't think that he's that great. So I kind of look at these guys all the same. They are young players that I think are dynamic talents. I want exposure to them, but they all have questions around their situation. Jerry Judy's the same way. Jerry Judy's in the same tier. He's got a crowded – his is a little different. He doesn't have a question at quarterback, but he's in a hyper-crowded offense where we've – I mean, literally, you could, you could make an argument that – Tim Patrick's going to get 18%. Albert is going to get 16%. Cortland Sutton's going to get 21% and Judy's stuck at 19%. That's way that's huge. That that could really be in his range of outcomes. You know, so to think that Jerry Judy's going to take this huge step forward, we don't know, but I still like the talent. Still a former first round pick, a guy that's been really hurt um, all of last year. I think you kind of got to throw that out the window. If you look at his adjusted target share of the year before, he got the 20% which is pretty rare for a um, wide receiver in their rookie season. And he was working with Drew Locke for a lot of that. So um, I, I look at these guys all as being, again, like I'm, that's why I like doing the tiers is it forces me to think about these players. Okay, like how are they similar? How are they different? Why am I tearing them this way? But to your point, I, I really wouldn't have a problem. Like if we got, say you and I were drafting together and we got to pick um, whatever, we're in the third or fourth round and it's like we're, we're staring at all these guys and you're like, hey, I, I really want Terry McLaurin. I would I would say, okay, I'm fine with that. But next draft, I'll be like, hey, we can't do Terry McLaurin every time. Like, we need some yeah. exposure to Elijah Moore. We need some exposure to Amon Ra, St. Brown. Obviously, one or two of these guys in this tier, they're going to hit. Like, they're going to hit big. Um, we, I just can't tell you exactly which ones – are going to be the ones, but their profiles are all good. So you're not really going wrong by drafting any of these players.
0: If Garrett Wilson or Drake London go to the Jets at 10, are you dropping Elijah Moore
1: No, just because I think Corey Davis is the guy that hasn't done enough. You know, I mean, Elijah Moore, whenever I look at what he did, 24% targets per route run, one75 yards per reception 73.8 pff receiving grade just missed the 75 and we know that he didn't have he he didn't have the time in training camp you know with sam Darnold got hurt early in the season battled through injuries late in the season i don't even think we've fully seen a fully healthy Elijah moore like i've seen some people talking about oh man get the get get what would scare me more would be as if they drafted garrett wilson because then I feel like you kind of have two similar players. Whereas if it's Drake London, I feel like, okay, great. Like you've got this kind of mega possession receiver um, that can do a lot of things, you know, push the quarterback, I mean, push the cornerback down the field, come back on the comeback route. You can have Elijah Moore running more of the deep crossers, the go routes. You can get him involved in some of the, don't want to use the word Debo too often, but this is <laughs> the same scheme that the 49ers use, get him more involved around the line of scrimmage. I think those two guys would be really complementary to one another and the two tight ends that they added aren't enough for me to get too worried about it. I do like Michael Carter out of the backfield, but we'll have to see what they do in the draft. So I'm not going to move Elijah Moore down too much. But what I will say, I'm not drafting Elijah Moore right now uh, whenever I am doing my draft. So when we do one next week, we, if Elijah's like, would really have to slide. And the reason why is because if the Jets do add a receiver, and there are a lot of rumors around it, and Daniel Jeremiah is one of the guys... It's actually coming out and pumping up Drake London. He has strong connections to Joe Douglas, who is in, who's with the Jets. Like, he was a scout for him. So, like, certain, like, beat reporters and certain, uh, like, guys that are doing these mock drafts, whenever you know they have these strong connections, to these GMs, like, we're kind of getting a a better tip of a potential hand that's going to be played um, versus just some of your normal mocks. So, I think the beauty of it is once Drake London, if he goes to the Jets, Then you get to draft Elijah Moore at a discount. He'll probably fall one or two rounds if that happens. And then you can go ahead and gain exposure because I don't think it's a huge deal for Elijah Moore if they add Drake London. I think what it means is Corey Davis is going to the pine. If that's the
0: thought process behind it, okay, I don't think the Jets need to use that number 10 pick on a wide receiver. receiver.
1: I don't think they have to either. I think Corey Um, Davis can still play. Uh, yeah, he also and Barrios is good in the him.
0: slot. Like, I'm yeah. fine going to war with more Davis and Barrios, at least, like, for now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: All right. After Elijah, you know, we already talked about McLaurin and Pittman. The Judy Sutton thing is interesting, and I think we've talked a little bit about it before. Uh, we are starting to see those price tags get driven up, though. Jerry Judy looking like wide receiver, 20 um, ADP. Man, I saw him on, he, on Underdog. I think he's still going a little bit later, but um, obviously think they're underdog, catching
1: up. Underdog's just not updating quick enough, yeah. and there's so much back, uh, backdated data on it. Like We need to reach out to Hayden and just ask him like for sure how God. it works. I mean, somebody... Probably will end up, you know, send us a DM today or something on Twitter telling us how you guys are uh, super smart, sharp players. So, but like looking at it right now, like I just wanted to pull up like for you, Jerry, Judy, and I had sent you a quick shot. But again, if you guys want to see this kind of stuff, I'm not going to show it because it's Fantasy Mojo's proprietary stuff. You need to go pay for it. But it's free. It's really, they're really good tools. But Judy was going between the 7th and ninth round all the way up until March 6th. You get the Russell Wilson trade. He shot up now where he is typically going in round... Ra- He's going in round four to round five now. Um, so, I mean, like, he is really shot up. And then, like, if I do the same thing for uh Cortland Sutton slightly behind. So Cortland Sutton, like on FFPC, is wide receiver 26. Jerry Judy's wide receiver 20. You obviously have an age gap between those two guys, and that's a big part of it. If there's a question, typically you'll find players will lean into the younger guy. Doesn't necessarily mean Judy's going to be the better one than Sutton. I think we could totally see it work the other way around. But yeah, Sutton's did the same thing. He was essentially hanging out between rounds 10 and 11, sometimes round 12 for the most part, mostly 10 and 11 was where he was being drafted. And now whenever you look at Sutton, um, he is pretty much rounds. He's kind of, he's got a, a little wider range than Judy right now, but like you're talking round six through eight is where Sutton's now going. So both guys like making like a three round jump once the Russell Wilson signing occurred.
0: Are we not putting enough potential concern behind Russell Wilson generally deciding not to throw the ball over the middle of the field. I feel like that's going to be Judy's wheelhouse working out of the slot, being the intermediate guy, which is great for a lot of quarterbacks, but we've seen those passing charts, man. It's a lot of blue in that middle area of the field. Russ has, you know, historically been liking to go down the sidelines to our guys like Sutton and Tim Patrick. So we'll talk about Patrick a little more later. He's free, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I say it will be a true test because the scheme ...that Russ is going to and Nathaniel Hackett, which right now, we don't have a ton of information on it, but it sounds like really the roots of it will be Lafleur's offense. And we know Lafleur's offense is really a branch off of Sean McVay slash Kyle Shanahan. They attack the middle of the field quite a bit. So I think a lot of this still comes back to the weapons you have and... There were plenty of times where Tyler Lockett was working the middle of the field. It's just by the time that Russ just decides to drop in the dime, like he's already made it all the way over to the left hash and Russ has bought time. And now he's dropping like, you know, um, that over the shoulder, make it rain, throw right in (laughs) the bucket on Tyler Lockett. I do think Jerry Judy has some of that to his game. Yes, we've seen him be more of a route runner, but he's still a good athlete. He's not Tyler Lockett fast. So so we know that. But I do think that you'll see a potential – Um, bump in Judy as far as ADOT goes. We know receivers typically own their ADOT, um, but we have seen here recently different quarterbacks come in and it has influence. I think it can still be some sort of a a combo between the two players. So I think we'll still see Judy, you know, plenty involved. I think what we won't see, if Judy's going to continue to just be involved underneath, like if they're really going to let Russ cook and do the things he's good at, that that would make me concerned. If Judy's route tree is going to be limited, limited to your point to inside and under five, six, seven yards a lot, like that's not what Russ does. He does not want to make those throws. He doesn't really want to check it down to the backs. Doesn't want to make short underneath throws. He really wants to get the ball vertical down the field. So I think it'll be interesting, like what we've got with Russ's history and then what we've got with the scheme that he's going to be playing in. Um, and you could argue like he was supposed to adopt that scheme last year. Um, you know, um, but it didn't really work that way either so
0: after, Judy, starting off your 3A tier. Devontae Smith, wide receiver, 24. I have him wide receiver, 35. One of our biggest discrepancies, Dwayne. My God, I could fight you right now, man. Break your freaking glasses, you four-eye freak. All right, sorry. Anyway, looking at Devontae, man, we actually got a little news this morning. Just I I didn't see the exact context of it, but I think it was Nick Sirianni, you know, indicating they're probably going to do, similar to what got him into the playoffs, and that is be one of the more run-heavy teams in the league. It's not out of the question that Jalen Hurts could improve as a passer. I'm not completely ruling it out does have quite a bit of a ways to go and Dwayne with those three first round picks I think they are like 15 16 and 19 uh, it sure would make a lot of sense if they go ahead and add a first round wide receiver for the third consecutive year obviously only have added Zach Pascal to probably take over Jalen Rager's role in the offense right now why go with Devontae over some guys like Marquise Brown Mike Williams Michael Thomas who probably have a higher overall target potential and I think you could argue they're playing with a better quarterback too.
1: Yeah, again, just leaning into, we don't see many rookie receivers get over that okay. 75 PFF receiving grade. He's got uh, early first round draft capital behind him. 23% target share. Look, the thing that held Devonta Smith back last year was not Devonta Smith. It was the Eagles offense. And so I think the thing that we have to consider is there's a range of outcomes on the Eagles offense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they could be run heavy, like, and that's probably what we're expecting them to be. But that is also, last year, what, you, what allowed me to draft Marquise Brown on multiple teams. Because there was like, ah, I'm not drafting Marquise Brown. Screw that dude. The Ravens is just going to run all the time. And then what happens? All hell breaks loose and all of a sudden Marquise Brown, which people have already forgotten because he's the next guy in the tier for me. You know, look, he was a few drop touchdown passes. And I know people will say, well, fine, you got to count the drop touchdowns. <laughs> I get it, but drops are not sticky. Drops can change from year to year. He could all of a sudden go this year and not drop any balls. I know Brown's had a few concentration error, you know, tight issues dropping balls over the years. Um, but with Devonta Smith, man, look, it's just, you know, whatever we're calling this, the, the blue sapphire. Or <laughs> it's over to the right? Like, look, he does everything. He works deep. He's got the explosive plays over 40%. And for receivers, that's 15 yards. Remember running backs, it's 10 yards. Uh, you know, targets per route run. You Yeah. Know, I just feel good, you know, about what I see from Devonta Smith, you know, overall. So I'm an I I feel good about him. Still a young player, I would rather take him over some of these other guys that are in the next tier down that are a little behind. Because let's face it, like some of these guys, I know what their ceilings are. Um, whereas Devonta Smith, I still think there's an after unknown Devonte to his, Smith.
0: We talked Marquise Brown the, the Smith, a little bit, yeah. Mari Cooper, Cortland Sutton. Mike Williams, I have him wide receiver 24. Dwayne, you're just a little bit lower wide receiver 28. ADP right now sitting at wide receiver 23. (sighs) So last year, Mike Williams was the wide receiver 17 on a points per game basis. Now it was awfully volatile. Got the $20 million per year. He's back in L.A. He should be the undisputed number two wide receiver for Justin Herbert. Coming off an 1,100-yard season. I'm not sure why Mike is just not getting, I think, as enough for, enough respect nationally as maybe some other players have been putting up these sort of numbers throughout his career. Mike Williams, man, I think that 20, I can see that wide receiver 23 ADP even falling a little bit more uh, just because I think people might talk themselves into some other guys. Ultimately, man, like when we're looking at you know Mike Williams versus guys like Allen Robinson or maybe even getting a little bit older, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, guys that are entering new offenses or maybe a little bit longer into the tooth, let's just take Mike Williams, man. I think he's kind of penalized more for uh, just different things that we don't necessarily uh, hold against other receivers in the same total manner. Like, yeah, he's a boomer bust wide receiver. I'm sorry the guy can go win you any given week. Like, I refuse to believe that's a, this big negative that we need to be afraid of.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I like Williams, um, and I liked what we saw that first half of the season. I liked him much better in that role versus, hey, Mike, just go downfield, and I'm going to throw you a bomb and let you, like, you know, dislocate your shoulder. That, that basically was his role before. Um, so, I'm and I kind of, I'm split. Like, if I thought Mike Williams was the prospect I thought he was last year, he wouldn't even be in this tier. So, um, I feel pretty good about where I have him, you know, wide receiver 28. But, again, you know, these are tiers. So, I've got, yeah. you know, all of tier three – you know Devonta's in there, Marquise Brown's in there, but now you got really more of the veterans, Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Darnell Mooney. Um, you could argue Mooney, you know, deserves to go on the other tier, you know, above as one of the younger players, but with Williams, the only thing is we've really only seen this one year. He's only been over 20% targets per route run one time in his entire NFL career. He's also really not been, he's never really been great from a yards per route run standpoint. So it's like, I think Mike Williams is a nice player. I like the offense he's in. I like the pass heavy nature of the offense. I like his quarterback. So those are the things that honestly push Mike Williams into this tier for me. If he didn't have all those things, um, if I was just counting on Mike Williams, the talent, I would still probably be a little bit lower just because I don't know what to do with that first six weeks last year. Like, I, it's yeah. like I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to quantify because there is part of me that says, well, if it all – it was due to injury because he got hurt. And that's really what caused him to not get near as many targets down the stretch because really his ADOT didn't change. It wasn't like all of a sudden right. they were like, oh, just go deep again. Like, they were still using him more like Mike Thomas – and so if they do that again and it was due to the injury, I do concede the fact that like Mike Williams would be top fifteen. Like last year by week two, where were we ranking Mike Williams in our weekly range? Wide receiver one. He was he I was mean, in top the top twelve. 12. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's totally, you know, in that range. I feel pretty good about where I've got him. Like FFPC's got him going twenty-three. I've got him at twenty-eight, but he's in a tier where he easily fits right there with the yeah. rest of these guys. Um, so yeah, I like him. My Long-term, has not really been that great, has never lived up to his early draft round capital, but definitely flashed big early last year.
0: Allen Robinson, we saw what a change of scenery to be Matthew Stafford's number two receiver did for OBJ. Now that is looking like it'll be the case for A-Rob. Still got to see if OBJ is going to be coming back. Uh, but with that torn ACL in the Super Bowl, you would at least imagine that he's not going to be out there on the field you know, for the first month or so of the year. I, I don't know. Maybe he does recover. Great. Um, either way, you know, even if OBJ does come back, we would tentatively expect Robinson to be the number two there to start off the year. Is that enough, Dwayne? Because let's face it, Allen Robinson was not good last year. Now, he didn't get as many targets as normal, but Darnell Mooney was in that same situation. He was able to put up bigger and better numbers than anything Robinson uh, could attest to doing. He is getting a little bit older, but man, we cannot overstate just how great this is for him to finally get to play with the first above average quarterback of maybe his life, man. I need someone to go start crunching like the numbers and the data with who Allen Robinson's high school quarterbacks were because we can go back to Penn State and we see how bad it is I want to know like best quarterback since fourth grade when he was getting to play with you know Jake from across the street I want that kind of analysis um, out of uh, Rams reporters if you guys wouldn't mind I have A-Rob wide receiver 31 you have him wide receiver 29 we're just a little bit lower than the ADP right now wide receiver 27 I think ultimately man you can say a lot of the similar things for Mike Williams where yeah we're looking at a clear-cut number two receiver but we know they're we know they're good at the game and my god look let's just invest in these offenses.
1: Yeah, I agree. And with Robinson, he's kind of the opposite of Tom, of, of Mike Williams. Mike Williams has kind of really been sub-tabar. so
0: So, by the way, we just said, uh, I said he's the same, and you said he's the opposite. Well, no, so that's, no, no, that's no awesome. but no it's, it's,
1: it's, <laughs> no, it's just a flip. But the logic is still the same. Mike Williams, yes. it's like, hey, what we saw for the first six weeks doesn't match, necessarily match his career, but what we saw for his first six weeks, it is the way Joe Lombardi runs his offense and yeah. we know that there was an injury so you know that upside is true it's not there's a there's a good chance it wasn't just a complete flash and he gets used that same way again and now his talent maybe it's always been there and now it's truly uncapped allen robinson is the flip side of that where up until last year he had really always come through even with bad quarterback play whenever you really looked at like his underlying metrics that he can own like as the receiver And then last year, though, we really saw those drop off. Now, the quarterback play was a challenge. The offense was a challenge as well. He played through injuries. So on him, it's a separate question. Like, do we think he's really the old Allen Robinson that was always good? Or do we think Allen Robinson, you know, has hit a cliff? So it's just like, it's kind of like the other side of the coin kind of thing. And so when I look at Robinson, the big issue for me is, is even when he was out there, and this is where like the targets per route run type thing are really handy. Look, if you have three receivers playing the full year and they play all 17 games or nearly 17 games, you don't need targets per route run. You just look at their target shares. But for a guy like Allen Robinson, where you know he missed four games, he played injured through others, targets per route run really helped give us a better picture And it dropped down to 18% where it had been 24% and 25% in the years before. Yards per route run had been 1.82, 2.86, and fell down to 1.13. So we know, obviously, the fantasy production had been there because in 2019, he was the PPR wide receiver 7. 2020, he was the PPR wide receiver 9. That's 15.9 and 16.4 fantasy points per game. So it's just a different question. Do we think that that Allen Robinson is really still residing within his body? And it was just a year of injury, a year of just so many things coming together, Matt Nagy really just being on the way out. I I think there's a lot of ways you could give Allen Robinson a pass, but I think you do in some range of your outcomes have to acknowledge that it could be Allen Robinson hit the cliff because we do see players hit that cliff at 29 and 30 years old. Typically for receivers, like it's 31, 32, but we do see some of them all of a sudden, like we've seen it with Des Bryant in the past, like it could happen. So you just have to acknowledge it. And you kind of have to embrace that as being within the range. But, like, if it's still there, to your point, like, dear God, like how much of – like can we even compare the other quarterback this played <laughs> yeah. to to Matt Stafford? It basically makes no. Matt Stafford God. Like <laughs> if we compare the other quarterback. Like those guys, like, are not even – you know, we can't even mention them in the same breath as Matt Stafford. So that side of it gets you excited. Um, obviously, you know, with Robinson, you already mentioned it. He'll be 29 this year. Um, so, I mean, not, not completely over the hill, but he is getting up there in age. So, I think that's kind of the dichotomy. And, again, why I put him in a tier with these guys like Mike Williams.
0: Next three wide receivers I think are the cheapest clear-cut number one pass game options you can get. Now, there's the Giants, there's the Jaguars, there's some other teams with cheaper number ones. But we have some uncertainty there in terms of who's actually going to lead those teams and targets. Michael Thomas with the Saints, Darno Mooney, Bears, and obviously Brandon Cooks with the Texans, I do think are ingrained as that number one option. Now, we got to see what, you know, Michael Thomas is like after really not having played much football over the past two years. Also, Justin and Jameis Winston under center. Darno Mooney's going to be in an offense that you would really, really like to think at some point, Dwayne will add another wide receiver. But my God, I guess we can't put anything past uh, this Bears organization these days. Either way, Mooney, you know, you can cry about his draft capital all you want the Guys put together back to back, more than solid NFL seasons. And it was once again projecting as that number one option. Brandon Cooks just keeps on keeping on putting up one upside wide receiver keeps two on, season right? after another. <laughs> Good one, man. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think all three of these guys are just. Awesome targets, man, because again, I, I see like why we have other dudes ranked in front of them, but each of these uh, players, we'll see how long Michael Thomas is kind of in that wide receiver three range. I know he's already starting to creep up into the top 24, which is where I have him, but Thomas Mooney and Cooks, man, these just seem like the epitome of guys you can draft far closer to the floor than the ceiling.
1: Yeah, and I think Michael Thomas is the one like that stands out to me is really having the most upside, because if we get... And obviously, look, he's going to be some lesser version of the last Michael Thomas we saw because he is going to be 30 years old. Really haven't seen him play football uh, in a year and a half now. But knowing that Traquan Smith's back, meh, never done anything. It ain't happening for Traquan Smith. You know, uh, Callaway is fine, but probably just a complimentary receiver. Um, you know, Hardy, Deontay Hardy, formerly there you Deontay go. Harris. <laughs> uh, like really, to your point, pops and all these other metrics, but he's not an every-down player. Um, and they don't have a tight end right now. Like, they they like Troutman, but, like, Troutman hasn't necessarily flashed anything. Like, to your point, you can make a very clear case that it's Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara again. Now, we don't have Sean Payton, you know, which, which you know, that hurts. But they're going to try to run the same offense. So, I think Thomas, out of these, is the one that... When I was looking at these, I was like, because I'll add some other things as we continue on through the offseason. It's not going to be in this first version, but, like, what does floor and upside look like? And I think, you know, really with Thomas, like, because of the injuries, we know the floor could be lower. But the the ceiling of Thomas – scroll up a little bit again for me, Ian, like, so I can see the rest of this tier. Like, so if you look at that 3B tier, I think the ceiling for Thomas – is higher than any of those. And the reason why is we've seen Michael Thomas be a 30% target share player. Not every person born into the, onto this earth is even capable of that. We've yeah. never seen Courtland Sutton do it. We've ne- Mark Cooper's had a million years to do it, and he's just now 22. And he still has never done it. Um, Cor- uh, Mike Williams has never done it. We already talked about him. Allen Robinson has gotten close. So I think with Robinson and Thomas, they're the two that, like, if they somehow regain that old form – And, I mean, we know Robinson's going to have more competition, right? He's going to have to deal with Cooper Cup. So I think that makes Michael Thomas the guy in this tier that if I had to say which one has the absolute highest ceiling, I think it is Michael Thomas.
0: And we have seen him do it with more than just Drew Brees. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was under center for a large portion of the season where he broke the freaking reception record. And then obviously the Taysom Hill, uh, he was actually on the field for – I think Thomas was out there for all four of his starts uh, during the 2020 season. And he put together um, at least one, if not two, 100-yard performances despite playing with, you know, maybe the worst, like, passer we've seen really at the position um, in recent memory in Taysom Hill. Great fantasy quarterback. We all know that, but let's face it, not exactly uh, – uh, the model for precision passing. Like yeah, I see you gave me the Ohio State
1: bomb,
0: so I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Wait till we get to Curtis Samuel and uh, Paris Campbell here <laughs> in a little coming.
1: bit. I'm just getting ready. All
0: right. Closing out the kind of wide receiver threes. Uh, this is your 3C tier. Got Brandon Cooks at the top. And then Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Lockett, Hunter Renfro, Michael Gallup, and Christian Kirk. We are actually very much in line on all these guys. I mean, you know, we've talked tier. about.
1: Wow, it really lines up.
0: This one is looking good. Adam Thielen is someone that, again, you know, once again, shout out to Hayden Winks. Keep giving him credit for another week or so. Uh, But yes, Thielen, man, 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. Uh, I think he's a good example of someone where, like, let's just really try to figure out what's, why are we fading him? Because if the only thing you can come up with is, oh, he'll get hurt with an injury that he doesn't already have, then that's not maybe the best reason. So Thielen, he's being priced Barely as a wide receiver three, he's someone that if he goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns in week one, you know, we wouldn't even be surprised at all. So I'm not saying, you know, Thielen's ranking has anything to do with Jefferson being too high, but Adam Thielen Dwayne, is someone where he's going to score 10 plus touchdowns if he plays maybe even like 10 games. God forbid he is actually out there uh, for 17 of them. You know, in the Vikings it's this new Kevin O'Connell offense, I think there's reason to believe they could throw the ball a little bit more than we're used to seeing. Um, honestly, man, like I, we have dealing. feeling we're ahead of consensus on him. I want to stay that way. I, he could be even in that tier above, man. I feel like we're just continuing to hold those injuries, which he is going to be 32. Like I'm not saying he can't continue to get injured or anything like that, but – It's just not the one thing I want to hang my hat on and bet against.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I do think when you have injuries plus the age, like you just have to factor it in. It doesn't mean you make them a complete avoid, to your point. But I think we have them in a tier like where you can get the appropriate exposure that you want, you know, to him. But I mean, there are – there are a few red flags, you know, in his game, you know, his yards per route run have been continuing to drop 1.63 targets per route run have continued to drop now at a 0.19. Now, again, some of that playing through injury in different games. So that can be part of it. You know, only end up with a 16% target share on the season. Obviously that goes back to the games that he missed. That's not an adjusted number. I have that another sheet, but I'm not going to worry about pulling it up right now, but with Thielen, I think we've seen a deterioration overall. Like in his game, he's still coming through for you on the touchdown. So I can honestly look at that either way. Like eventually, do the touchdown stop when you see the other things already regressing, and you know you got to worry about age, and you know you have to worry about injuries. Like so, or you could look at the other side and be like, well, wow. I mean, Kirk, T- Kirk Cousins and him have been playing together for how long, and he just loves him down there. And if Adam Thielen did stay healthy for a full season, I agree with you; he would belong in the tier. Um, above, I'm a little bit older than the rest of those guys, but like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all, like to see him finish in the same range as an Allen Robinson, you know, as a Mike Williams. I think like I think that's totally a fair, and again, that's why I have him in tier three. He's a three C, but he is in tier three, and you'll notice with most most of these early tiers like for like my tier threes and like this is why these take me so long like i just (laughs) i probably think wait i know i don't think way too much that's what we're here for is to think about this stuff with people that's Um, our job join yeah but if you look at it you know uh if you look at it from like you know for my for my tier three guys like i've only got 15. if you look at my tier two guys like i've only got nine uh, sorry not nine for my tier two guys i've got i've got 14 that we already mentioned for tier ones i've only got 10. um and again because that's looking back at like also historical production and like what kind of profiles it takes to score like in those ranges. And so not every year do you, well, I have to have 12 number wide receiver ones. Like, well, maybe there's really 10, but we have like 14 wide receiver twos. And so that's the way I try to think about it. And so he's in that, he's in that tier three conversation um, completely for me. Um, Just only thing keeping him out is honestly the deterioration in play age and, and the injury concern.
0: Next five guys all have some pretty valid concerns that has them as low um, as they are in the first place. Juju. Being assumed as the Chiefs wide receiver one, uh, peep that Marquez Valdez-Scantling contract, though, man. It's not a given. I I understand Juju's going to be the lower ADOP player, more likely to get peppered, but I think there's a reason why one guy got a three-year, $30 million commitment, and Juju's on more of a prove-it. We'll see what kind of incentives you can reach. Deal. Tyler Lockett, you know, being priced this far below DK Metcalf, that to me just seems uh, like one of the opportunities to, hey, probably get the number two guy because, again, it wouldn't be shocking king if Lockett finishes ahead of Metcalf I would take Metcalf over Lockett but at that sort of difference um, might be too high Hunter Renfro, someone that you know would probably be arguing arguing for our top 20 knocking on the door at least if Devontae Adams wasn't there now it's tough to expect him to really you know do anything like last year uh, could feasibly finish as a number three target behind Adams and Waller Michael Gallup someone that I think if we get some better news about his health he could be up there kind of in that Mike Williams area uh, uh, kind of you know as more of an up side wide receiver three as uh as opposed to a borderline need to see how that acl recovery is going and then we got christian kirk who it's like man you paid him that much money i would hope you have plans to use them but honestly in jacksonville who the hell knows out of those five Dwayne, juju lockett renfro gallup and kirk similar range same round who would you most like to go after
1: honestly i'm not crazy about any of them i think based on the volume we're projecting for them like like Lockett, like I just don't really want much to do with the Seahawks offense. Like, no, you know, I I do think that you know Metcalf is clearly above him because he's in his absolute prime. Like, we got Lockett going into age thirty season. I agree. Like, the delta between them is is kind of large, and and so they may end up much closer in fantasy points, you know, together. Um, but I think that as their ages, you know, as Lockett continues to age and Metcalf's truly hitting his stride, I think at some point you will see them. Start to separate, and that could be this year, but it may not matter because that offense could be so terrible. Um, Renfro, we loved him. You know, he, we know he's going to be on the field more. I bet he's out there still now for over 90% of the routes. He still has a shot at probably a 20% target share, but there was an upside for 30% that's now gone because you've got Devontae Adams on the offense. Michael Gallup's coming back from an injury. Christian Kirk, you just mentioned, it's the Jaguars. Like Christian Kirk, like, if Trevor Lawrence takes a big step forward. Maybe it could happen for him. But at the end of the day, Christian Kirk's really never shown to be more than like a number two receiver, a number three receiver on his own team. Um, Has never really demanded that super high target share. Same for Juju. Like Juju, man, Juju was great early on in his career. And I know a lot of people want to lean back into that. But like you have to pay attention to these trends. Like yards per route run have gone from 2.17 to 2.08 to 1.49 to 1.29 to 0.88. Like, dude, like... And the, and the film's even worse.
0: And the film's even worse somehow.
1: Uh, yeah, so... And remember early on, like, Juju was coming up with these big plays that I didn't even necessarily expect from him. Yak. Monster early. college. Monster like, early. getting all this yak? Yeah, like, I just... He didn't profile necessarily that way to me whenever I was really looking at Juju in college. So, um... It's all about the situation. He's got Mahomes. To your point, he's going to get the lower dot targets. They're going to have to pepper him. But I just don't see, uh, you know, I don't see it quite like some others do, like with how high um, folks are getting on Juju at this point, like I'm dead even with FFPC, ADP. But I'm not going to be forcing any of these guys, like none of them. Like if I were to force any two names in this tier, and this is why I love to talk about it because maybe I, it really is – there's two 3C guys and then the rest are 3D. Mm-hmm. It's Brandon Cooks and Thielen. Those are the two that I'm the most comfortable yeah. in this tier taking. Um, and then maybe it's Lockett just because we know we've seen him do it. But, again, I'm man, you know, I just don't know how much. Well, why?
0: How, how, come we're, how come we're hesitating so much on Gallup? Because I don't think – I think the I think a healthy version of Gallup, which I know we, that's part of it, but let's say he does come back. The Cowboys gave him $60 million over five years. I think they're feeling pretty confident that he's going to come back to the version of himself that, we, that we've seen. Gallup versus Cooper, I don't think is that – big of a difference in the year 2022 in terms of who's better. I'll give Cooper the nod, but I think if Cooper was back on the Cowboys being set up as their number two, he'd be someone that would be a good 10-15 spots ahead of where Gallup is going right now. Having Gallup in there, like, this was almost similar to Tampa Bay last year, Dwayne, where when each of A.B., Evans, and Goblin were healthy, it was problematic for all three of the guys. Same thing in Dallas with C.D., Cooper, and Gallup. Now, in both instances, we didn't have to worry about it that much. But taking Cooper out of the picture, Gallup, to me, out of this range is the one that actually could all of a sudden be someone where, hey, if Dak Prescott enables two top 24 wide receivers, that wouldn't shock me at all.
1: Yeah, no, it wouldn't be either. So with Gallup, it's just a matter of like, we just need to hear more about his health. Okay. Like, where is he going to be? Because it was such a late injury. Um, and we're... we're The news is positive right now, but we really won't know probably for a couple more months like really where he's going to be at and what that's going to look like for the beginning of the season. But I do agree like with Gallup, like, and the other thing you're getting is you're getting a younger player, you know, he'll turn 27 this next season, you know. Um, So is that right? No, he'll turn, uh, he'll be 26.6, like when the season starts. So yeah, you're still getting a younger player. Um, so I, I'm with you. I like the idea of Gallup and that's why I got him up into that tier. I had originally had him down a little bit lower, um, but I wanted to give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt that like, you know, he's going to be close to ready for the beginning of the season, but if the news gets better and better, better, I think that's a play. And again, I don't think Gallup's I've watched him so much. I like him. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's a dominant player. I think he's a great, uh, perimeter option that Dak loves to go to whenever he sees man coverage, scroll to the right, like, on Gallup, like, if you can highlight him. Like, you'll see his targets per route run uh, for man, you know, are the highest, or the highest on the Cowboys, that 27%. So Dak definitely likes him. You know, he's going to, you get man coverage like 35% of the time, 40% of the time. So he'll be one of Dak's top options whenever he sees that type of coverage. Um, So I think there's definitely going to be value. It's just how healthy can he be? I don't think, like, watching him, I don't think his game is complete enough to really be a 25%, 30% target share guy. But, look, I mean, you got to leave room for error in these things. Like, Mm -hmm. we have guys every year that break out all of a sudden that have been that kind of player, and now you're like, oh, wow, they just got a 25% target share. I think it makes sense with the Cowboys just given all the mouths that have left with Amari Cooper or Cedric Wilson. um, And I just don't think they need to continue to feed any kind of targets to Zeke. Get Pollard more involved, get a little more to Gallup, Schultz, and obviously, you know, let's just let Lamb cook
0: can check out Dwayne's uh, wide receiver tiers on pff.com. And again, I published my full 2022 ranks on Monday. So if you want to go back, just get an eye on these exact numbers. You can check out all those. And hey, why not get a PFF subscription while you're at it? Using code FANTASY to save 25%. Get all the locked article content or NFL Draft Guide. Completely unlocked Mock Draft Simulator. 2022 free agency rankings. Data and grace from the entire 2021 season. All that and so much more. Again, support the pod. Use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub and also people the only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is manscaped the leaders in below the waist grooming with manscaped performance package 4.0 your skill position will be sleek and smooth enough for a sub 4340. support us and head to manscaped.com and use the exclusive code pff at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping again that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code pff turn your mr irrelevant to a first round pick with manscaped all right, Dwayne, that is the top 38. You know, top 36 is the wide receiver three stuff. But you decided to be quirky and original and make it a top 38. So I wasn't going to. Come-
1: I can't help it. Like, it just doesn't always fit. <laughs> like, you're going off the profiles, not like, oh, I got to, you know, make it fit in the thirty-six. You got hey, some. I, rook- I, yeah, I only have ten wide receiver ones, so you
0: me. <laughs> you have some rookies. After that, again, we're going to talk a little more about the rookies um, in April. But I am with you early on with Garrett Wilson as the wide receiver one. We'll save some of that conversation though for another podcast. I just highlighted some other hey, names. Been, I just
1: want to say we've been there the whole time, and now whole everyone ton. else has come around. Everyone Funny come how that works. Now. Yeah, it was all Drake London, no, 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 then it was Traylon, and then now everybody's finally like, oh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, he, yeah, and I like all these guys, so nothing against these other two.
0: Highlighted some other names I think are just worthy to talk about and should be in the news cycle. Your wide receiver 43, my wide receiver 44, Kadarius Tony could be the Giants wide receiver one. And again, this is a unique situation where each of Tony um, Galladay, Check on the Sterling Shepard Achilles. I'm probably not going to be making a bet on him next year, but he's someone that could lead the team in targets if he is healthy enough to go, and they're all being priced in the wide receiver four range. We saw a lot of good from Tony last year, Dwayne. I mean, 2.14 yards per out run. Uh, You look at his target numbers, you know, against zone and man alike. The dude was absolutely eating. He did do a good chunk of that with a giraffe under center, and obviously it was with a different offense and everything as well. But what we saw with Tony, ball in his hands now the dude can throw that rock himself when he when he's asked to he'd be my he'd be my best start for this offense of course I want Tony over Galladay at this point maybe he should be someone that we're targeting in that wide receiver four range because again he's not costing you much and I would think that even if Tony does finish I mean even if he is number two or number three in the offense and targets he has a chance to still meet value where he's going
1: yeah. And again, so this, like I've got the rookies all together with a bunch of basically second and third year receivers here in this tier four. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't blame people if they want to reach past some of the names in that tier, in that 3C tier to this 4A tier, like if based on like what you're trying to do with the roster construction standpoint. But Tony's definitely one of those. We only we had a small sample size, but he almost got to that seventy-five PFF receiving grade that we want, like seventy-four point four, like just barely missed it. So we're not like gonna like be that legalistic about it. Look, he's good. Um, you know, did did get to operate mostly from the slot, sixty-two percent of the time. So what's gonna happen between him and Sterling Shepard? Like we need to understand that. Now they could still work Tony outside. You know, really in more of a Z role. Let Galladay play X. And that still gives you an opportunity to work underneath. You can put him in motion. You can actually swap those two guys and some of these things. I think the nice thing is you don't have Evan Ingram now. So you don't have, because before you had Evan Ingram wanting to play the slot, Sterling Shepard wanting to play the slot, and you had Kadarius Tony wanting to play the slot. So that really just created this rotation where we couldn't get Tony even when healthy, on the field quite as much as we would want to see. Um, But, man, the 27% targets per route run and the 2.14 yards per route run, like those are just elite to go along with the PFF receiving grade. So I love him. And then just, you know, he's with this tier. With IU, Claypool Flash. two years ago. was not bad last year. Rondell Moore, we know we're getting the, you know, the coach speak coming out. Oh, we're going to actually use him in the Christian Kirk (laughs) role. he's not just going to be, you know, he's not going to be tethered you know, to the line of scrimmage. Thank you, Cliff Kingsbury. Now let's actually follow through on that. Let's not just do generic coach talk. Rashad Bateman, first-round pick last year. Gabriel Davis sitting pretty so far. I do have him well below consensus, minus 15 versus ADP, because basically I do not want people to draft Gabriel Davis right now. Gabriel Davis is ADP. If they do not draft another receiver, it's not going to go up. Everybody's already assuming the best about Gabriel Davis. So if if the Bills don't draft a receiver in the first two rounds, then – You can go ahead and start drafting Gabriel Davis at his current ADP. But if they do draft someone the first two rounds, he'll probably fall one to two rounds. And if you still like him, you can draft him then, but you won't have wasted an early pick. Um, So, yeah, it's just mostly rookies and these, uh, you know, second, third-year guys. Really kind of an upside tier before the next tier you get to is kind of another veteran tier.
0: Claypool, one of our favorite dynasty by lows, because of the uncertainty. I mean, we were talking about uh, some of these offenses were, again, just too large of a delta between the wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I'm not sure there's a better one to look at than Deontay versus Claypool. We love Deontay, but it's a new quarterback and Claypool is really freaking good, too, man. So, no, I'm not convinced that Deontay is just in a completely different stratosphere than Claypool. And, you know, maybe maybe he is. Maybe Trubisky doesn't even care. Maybe he's just going to focus on Claypool. Anyway, we need to keep in mind the full range of outcomes, and Claypool is just a much affordable option. When we could buy Deontay as a wide receiver three, like as recently as last year or the year before, yeah, sign me up. We had evidence of Big Ben feeding him, not so much with Mitch. And, yes, Dwayne, those Rondale quotes, I got them ready, and we are going to read them for the people. (laughs) This is some true porn. And, hey, credit to Kingsbury. Kingsbury is not like Pete Carroll. Um, You know, not many are like Pete Carroll in terms of just giving us absolutely nothing to go off of. But last year... We brought this to everyone's attention, but like the one quote that really got me off of Rondale was after the draft when Kingsbury was like, we got Hopkins, we got AJ, and now in this other group of guys, we're gonna have Kirk Rondale and stuff. And it was like, wait a second, why the hell is AJ Green being given the benefit of the doubt ahead of these other guys? And he was all year. Whether it was a smart decision or not is a completely different conversation. Either way, Cliff did tell us that. So this is these are courtesy of Jamie Eisenberg. Thanks for pulling these together. Jamie from some of the owner uh, meetings. He had a nice thread about uh, Cliff and some other coaches um, over on Twitter, so make sure you give Jamie a follow. But, yes, so Kingsbury on Rondale Moore was quoted as saying, a bigger role, there's no doubt. Last year, just with the numbers with Christian, A.J., Green, Hop, he kind of got lost in the shuffle more than he should have. He's a dynamic playmaker with Christian leaving. We expect him to fill that role. And then also added that we're going to try to give him the ball more. You've seen what Kyle has done there with Debo. He finds different ways to give him the ball. We're going to be creative at Rondale because when he touches it, good thing. Things happen. And we saw some of that, man. Like the preseason usage for Rondale Moore was borderline erotic and he was kind of used gadgety. The goal is to get that gadget touches, those design touches, some of the backfield um, carries, even. We want those, but we also just want a full time role in the slot. Seems like that's on his plate. Dwayne, if we make it through the draft and all of a sudden he's still continuing to be projected as at worst the number three target in this offense and that'd be if Ertz is able to kind of leap him in addition to hop how high are we going to raise Rondale because right now like I am all for buying him at the wide receiver you know 48 47 price tag and that's where we have him ranked but I feel like he can definitely jump into kind of the three C tier at worst uh, once we actually have you know not just Kingsbury telling us this but once we actually see the roster after the draft and know he is going to be their wide receiver too
1: yeah I mean and he's he's an, he's in a he's another great example of a player that like his um, ADP like it's a pretty wide range like you'll see him go in round nine and then the very next rat, draft you'll see him go in round twelve and then the next draft you'll see him go in round fourteen it's tightened up <laughs> a little bit over the last since like March sixth he's pretty much been going between round ten and going between round thirteen so. I would get as much exposure as I can to Rondell Moore right now, um, because here's the thing: even if they draft another receiver, I don't. With where he's going right now, I don't know that it's really going to push him down boards. But if they don't draft one, I'm with you. I think you could see him start to climb up, climb up into, and we've seen it a couple times already where he's going in round nine. I think you're probably looking at round eight and round nine, because again, projections will come out from everyone after the draft, and what happens. People are going to look at the pecking pecking order. You guys know the Evan Silva bomb. He's going to be doing his projections, and all of a sudden he's going to see Rondell Moore. There's no Christian Kirk. There's no this. There's no that. So it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, number one, Rondell Moore, number two. And guess what? It's way more fun to project Rondell Moore for more targets than Zach Ertz. So it's going to happen. So go ahead and get your exposure to Rondell Moore. And to your point, we'll do the same thing. So he's going to move up our ranks probably a little bit as well. I think – You know, like how far would he go? I think that's a really good question. There's several guys, honestly, in this tier that you could ask that question about. I think, you know, Kadarius. Tony's a similar one, depending on what we're hearing about him. But I think Rondell might be the one. Rondell and Gabriel Davis might be the two that could move the most out of the folks that are in this tier. Obviously, the rookies, if they were to fall too far or one of these guys goes really early, um, you know, they could go ahead of where we're thinking. But I think the argument could be made like Ayuk's probably going to be pretty steady. We know the situation Claypool, pretty steady Bateman. We know there's three guys you got to deal with. So Rondell's probably the answer for the one that could, to, could make the biggest leap and what's going to happen um, with ADP. And we would have to respond to that some, but I think like the highest, like I could definitely see him getting inside the top 36. Like I feel yep. really good about him right now as being like, look, this is this high end wide receiver four. um, that on if everything went right like you could end up with him being a wide receiver 2 on your fantasy team I
0: think I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here, Dwayne, having Gabriel Davis like all the way up at wide receiver 33 for me and Rondale um, wide receiver 47, because as things stand, I mean, the hope and the reason why I have Gabriel Davis that high and I understand what you're saying, Like you will bring him up the board if uh, he is in fact going to be Josh Allen's number two pass catcher, which we'll find out really after the draft if that's going to be the case. But I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because that is the case right now. Just like that is the case for Rondale Moore right now. We just need to see exactly what Arizona is going to be doing uh, there as well. But yeah, priced as a wide receiver for Rondale Moore. Definitely be trying to scoop him up. Best ball drafts of all shapes and sizes. Will Fuller, someone that isn't signed right now. But I think if he lands in the right situation, we could see him flying up the ranks. I do like the idea of you know taking some shots on him and best ball. Just a couple more guys to quickly gloss over. Curtis Samuel, someone that's going, you know, well outside even the wide receiver five range right now. The season started tomorrow. He would be the number two wide receiver in Washington. Also has that potential to, wait for it, let's keep saying it as many times as we can in the podcast, have a Debo Samuel-esque role, getting some some carries out of the backfield. Uh, Russell Gage right behind Curtis Samuel. I mean, he is just someone that I think uh, we're going to be happy to have on the rosters. Not Antonio Brown. Who the hell is Antonio Brown? Other than Antonio. Brown, But with Gage, we do have the potential to be the number two target, maybe number three behind Gronk, uh, while Chris Godwin misses some time. And we're not going to be hating ourselves to have a fairly full time receiver with Tom Brady throwing the rock when you can draft them again outside the top 50, maybe even 60 wide receivers. Tim Patrick, as we discussed with the Broncos guys, just priced way too low uh, relative to them. Please scoop him up as much as you can in the later rounds. Devontae Parker, someone that could be traded uh, soon to, you know, hey, Chiefs, a contender. I don't know. I don't think he's going to end up in Miami. Right now, he's being priced as if that would be the case. And finally, two other guys I do like in the wide receiver 90 range. We're really getting deep here. Braxton Berrios. Hey, once again, starting in New York. And I think Elijah Moore and Corey Davis would work ahead of him. Not a complete given. I think that ADP disparity is a little bit too wide. We did see Zach Wilson continue kind of the Jets, Sam Tarnold and Adam Gage tradition of feeding the slot receiver. And finally... Another Buckeye. I'm not doing it on purpose, Dwayne. They're in good situations yes, and they're it's balls. Okay, no, I'm it's okay. no, I'm not. No, I'm
1: fucking not. Can I? Can I tell you something? The well, yeah, the Buckeyes, tell me something. The, the- the Buckeyes actually happen to produce really good players. So it's like, yeah. what are, I mean, what are you going to do? The team you root for actually puts out a lot of guys that ended up being really good in the NFL. So sorry for like, having a bias okay. towards
0: really good football players. There, all right. That, that, that's my apology. Paris I'm going to break the glasses
1: you don't have on your face. Okay.
0: <laughs> come on. <laughs> I actually did get a, a pair of glasses recently. I will not be showing them to the podcast because I think I look weird in them. But I can see again, Dwayne. I used to need them for like, you know, a real job where you had to like see a whiteboard. But since I've just been looking at my computer for the better part of the last like eight years, decided not to re up the glasses uh, um, prescription. But now I can like see TV more clearer, and I can like read signs when I'm outside. So, a uh, so great you know day. What
1: movie you're watching now? Yes,
0: exactly. So, so real quick the- on Barrios, like
1: <laughs> the reason I've got him lower, so I have him in a tier of players where, um, so for example, there's a few of these. We already mentioned uh, Deontay Hardy. Um, But Braxton Berrios fits in this bucket. Uh, Sterling Shepard fits in this bucket. So these are players that, when given the opportunity, like on their opportunities, have still been really good. So Braxton Berrios at 23% targets per route run. Um, You look at Deontay Harris, 27 uh, and a 2.69 yards per route run. Um, If you look at Sterling Shepard right now, as much as we love Kadarius Toney, like Sterling Shepard over the last couple of years, man, like Daniel Jones loves him when he's on the field. A 24% targets per route run, 1.66 yards per route run. Not great, but also not bad for a slot receiver. Yep. Russell Gage fits that same conversation. But with Barrios, my biggest concern is now that the Jets have added two tight ends, we know that they really want to go to more of that heavy personnel. I don't know if they've added a fullback or not. Like I just worry we're going to be in a lot of 12 and heavy personnel. Like they're just going to use – The 11 personnel less. So, with Barrios, though, like if all of a sudden, like the Jets are just terrible and every week they're trailing by 14 points by the time the first quarter's over in those games, I think Braxton Barrios is probably going to give you value. The key will be trying to figure out, like, when are those games going to occur? And there will obviously be some, like, you know, uh, we're going to see that, like, they're playing the Chargers or something, and we're going to, you know, we'll be able to go by the lines. Um, So, I mean, we'll have some indicator of it. But I just worry with a guy like Berrios, like, you know, there's also going to be games where maybe he's only on the field for 40% of the routes.
0: Now let's talk about the main event. Paris Campbell, last guy we're going to touch on before we get out of here. The guy plays at Ohio State, and only he has an ankle sprain in October of 2016. That was the only even somewhat time he got banged up since coming to the NFL. Abdominal muscle strain, fractured his hand, fractured his foot, concussion, two knee sprains, uh, one MCL, one PCL, again pulls his abs and then unfortunately sprains his foot last year. Not great, Dwayne, but I don't know if any of these like are more problematic than other injuries that we've seen uh, wide receivers have that we're just not nearly as worried about. It seems like an awful lot of bad luck. The dude broke his freaking hand. Like, come on. Like, how many times is that going to freaking happen um, in his life? I'm knocking on wood. I really hope that doesn't happen again, Paris. I will not be happy with myself uh, for putting that out there. But Dwayne, every single offseason, Frank Reich has some great words for him. If you look at Paris coming out of Ohio State, the big, you know, quote unquote, question with him, was if he could even work downfield. Because Dwayne Haskins, I mean, when he was there, it was just kind of one screen after another. Paris Campbell taking those, you know, pop passes that Debo has done so many times with Jimmy G, turned them to big plays. We've seen them be willing to use Paris on the outside and downfield, though. The last ball he caught before he got injured was a actually pretty freaking beautiful 50-yard dime from Carson Wentz downfield. He did some good things in that Ravens game on the outside. I tweeted out a, cl- a clip of some of his nice route running um, earlier today. Paris Campbell would be the number two pass game option in Indy if the season started tomorrow. And I think someone that is free. And once again, the only bad thing people can say is the injuries card. Buy Paris Campbell. Like, I'm sorry I if he gets Paris,
1: hurt. I, I, I buy Paris Campbell every year. Uh, so I will continue to do so. Like, he, he's he's a, he's a hyper athlete. Um, you know, and we just need a healthy season. You know, I yes. mean, look, really all we have is Michael Pittman. Like, now Moelle Cox could do something, but I think Campbell, like – that's the guy like we would love to see more of. like to your point, 33% of his targets came on on 20 yards or more last year now that he had a guy like Carson Wentz. Will Matt Ryan pepper it that much? Maybe not. But Matt Ryan still he's an anticipation deep thrower, right? He's not a guy that's going to sit back there and hold the ball for three and a half seconds and then crank one down the field. <laughs> but he still can get it down the field. So and then when you look at the explosive play rate, so those are plays of 15 yards or more, 40%, which is really healthy. So I think there are definitely things to like about Paris Campbell. And the thing I love about a guy like Paris Campbell, especially like in redraft, I don't like I mean, I like him okay in best ball, but what I love about him in redraft is like you get a look at him for a couple of weeks. If it's not right, you can just move on. With best ball, like you have to think through some of these players a little bit more because you can't be sitting in a situation where immediately in week one, you know you just have four zeros, right, <laughs> sitting on your roster, like, already. Because you know attrition is going to knock more players out, like, as the season goes. Um, but with Campbell, to your point, like, really, if they don't draft anyone else, like, I kind of think the Colts, I feel like they should add a weapon. Like, that should be in their plans for the draft. We'll see what happens. Um, but if it's not, like, a day one or a day, if it's not, I don't even know what all the Colts' picks are. I'll have it in front of me. But um, if it's not an early pick, Like, I think that bodes really well for Paris Campbell. And to your point, he's free. Like, so I definitely like that.
0: Zach Pascal is now a member of the Eagles. Ty Hilton's a free agent. I mean, Ashton Doolin, Kiki Cootie is apparently on the Colts these days. Desmond Patton. There is no competition there. So it would make sense if they add someone that would make it tough for Campbell. Even then, though, he'd still be projected as a likely starter in three wide receiver sets. And he is completely free. So love him as a final round uh, best ball pick. And to Dwayne's point, yeah, he'll be definitely uh, probably more so on the redraft radar as well. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne, we got tight ends tomorrow. I, I, th- I think we've all you know learned uh, at least we have i hope some of you have well, I've, I've learned a lot here about the positional landscape you know in the post free agency cycle um we're living in and yeah and then we'll be actually drafting and really starting to hammer these suckers down uh starting next week anything else you want know, gary for chest joint, everyone can find your tiers on pff.com obviously
1: yeah so running back tears went up today um you guys can obviously check out the podcast that went up yesterday for that quarterback tiers are up uh wide receiver tiers, i'm riding now like i gotta i'm i'm I've been tweaking my tiers like as we're going. Um, so I'm working through that. So they'll be up either tomorrow or on Monday and then tight end tiers will be up early next week as well. And then I will be looking at some strategy stuff, like really talking about these are the oh, players yeah. that if you're drafting right now in best ball, like they're probably priced price as high as they should be avoid. But here's a group of players that are truly probably only going to go up in ADP. And then one third group is kind of like you know, if you know, it's like a straddle. It's like, okay, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get some exposure because it could go up, but I'm not going to overdo it because it could, could go down. So a perfect example of that is like Michael Carter right now going the seventh, eighth round. If they draft another running back, that's going to slip some. If they don't, it's going to go up. So you want at least some exposure, you know, to a guy like Michael Carter right now. You're not going to get out of hand with it. Um, so those will really be the three groups, and that'll be something that we can also apply for whenever we go into our drafts next week because we don't just we want to do them for you guys because we love you, but I also <laughs> am here to win and win freaking money because that's like why I love fantasy football. As I am very competitive, as you can see, Ian, he's got the two belts setting out up top up there. Um, I'll just I'll put some checks back here, like behind me, <laughs> so like I can hang with Ian. Um, but no, super excited about doing those and getting into some of like this. These working through tiers and all this really just sets us up for like the strategy stuff. And to your point, like offline, I know we've talked a couple times. Like really getting in and doing a bunch of these drafts. Like you know, it's, it, it'll be cool for people because we haven't even done one together yet. And it takes time like as you really practice. And we get to put our convictions to the test because we're going to be on the clock. And we're probably going to be like, wow, you know what? We don't really like anybody we have in this tier. Well, that says something (laughs) about that tier. Either you need to go back and get more comfortable with it and really say, okay, no, it is right. Or your gut is correct. And you're like, you know what? Now that I researched it more, like so-and-so shouldn't be in this tier. These two players shouldn't be in this tier. And that's why I keep wanting to skip them when I get to a draft. So... I'm I'm excited about what we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks and I'm I'm hopeful that everyone else will love it too.
0: For Dwayne, I mean thanks for tuning the PF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.